Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by the CEO of Conservation International, host of Life at the Waterhole on PBS. We welcome Dr. M. Sanjin. Hi, Sean. Hey, good morning. Sanjin, let's go beyond the mic. You're a global conservation scientist whose work spans a wide area, from genetics to wildlife migration to nature's impact. How has your time growing up in Asia and West Africa changed the way you view nature? You know, I think that that's a great question. You know, what I realized, so when I was a kid, I wanted to like work with wildlife. Like, that's what I wanted to do. But you realize that if you really are trying to protect wildlife, save wildlife, uh, you know, work in conservation, what you're really trying to do is work with people. What I think the thing that I have brought to this equation that I think is a little bit unique, but now is getting much more widely accepted, is that humans are part of that equation, that we are part of nature, that ultimately we're saving nature in order to save ourselves. This is not about something far away and distant that doesn't also impact, affect our lives. Um, you know, you're in Texas there. I think you probably see that, you know, in a very real way about the interactions between humans and nature. Uh, we've gone through a year of lockdown. I mean, believe me, every trail around my house in Virginia, you know, every park that I go to is full of people. You can see the yearning people have to be in touch with nature again. Putting together life at the waterhole wasn't an easy affair. What were some of the challenges that you faced as this project started to come together? Well, first of all, you don't ever do television shows when you don't really know what was going to happen, right? No one put that kind of funding and effort behind it. But that's exactly what we did. This was a show that was built on faith. Like, build it and it will come. That was the premise. So we went to a part of East Africa on the edge of the Serengeti, the Mweba Wildlife Reserve. It's a private game reserve, essentially. The communities are engaged and involved in its, uh, in its uh, activities. And they had a challenge. The wildlife in, in this reserve would often move out to the communities where there was conflict, where there were issues with the wildlife and humans colliding quite literally at the same watering point, in the same well. So they decided to build a waterhole in a dry part of the reserve as a way of essentially attracting animals and keeping them in that, in that region. We thought, what a great idea. Why don't we go and wire this thing up and film it? We put 20 cameras, five months of optical cable, watched over months to see what would happen. And honestly, I had no idea what was going to happen. Like, maybe no one would find it. What happens then? Guess what? 45 minutes after water came in there, this thing is about the size of like a swing pool. 45 minutes later, we had a family of warthogs. Within a day, we had a, a dim stop. Until the last day I was there, I think we had something like 105 different species of animals show up. Everything from owls to lions, from hyenas to jackals to a hippo basically made its way past our cameras. Sanjin, how has climate, conservation, and sustainability improved and maybe degraded over these last 10 years? You know, I think that there's a big awakening today of the impact of climate and climate change on human communities. So I think there is really an awakening, and not just in this country, but around the world. And you saw that. You saw the struggle for water for human communities, uh, nomadic, pastoral communities. These are people, the Maasai, who move with their cows in search of water and grazing across huge, huge swaths of Africa. You can see the challenge as ancient patterns get disrupted either because of development or get disrupted because of climate change. And you saw the same struggle with wildlife. You know, an elephant has an amazing memory. You know, a female elephant remembers exactly where she found water. 
And that one dry year, you know, 30 years ago, she remembers where that water is. But if you have climate change, you have a change in the water table, all of a sudden that memory is no good anymore. So you do see that and you hear about it. You see a little bit of that in the show. I think it is something that we are all uh, learning to adapt to and deal with around the world. It's time for the Rocking Eight. Eight random questions answered with the first thing that comes to your mind. There's no pressure. Okay. Favorite meal when you're on safari? God, it's got to be like uh, favorite meal when I'm on safari. Uh, sandwich. Portable, easy to take around. You can put it in your pocket. Yeah. Okay. What's the biggest fish you ever caught fly fishing? Ah, uh, that's a secret. Um, I've caught I've caught uh, sailfish on a fly. So you know we're talking marlin sailfish, so big. Um, you know, seven eight feet. We didn't bring it up in the boat, so I couldn't tell you exactly, but big off the coast of East Africa. First place you go when you visit a zoo. First place I go when I visit a zoo. It's gotta be. It's got to be like the snakes and reptiles. Where's your favorite place to vacation? Uh, my cabin in Montana. Yes or no? Will someone win the Earthshot Prize in the next three years? Oh, yes. 100%. What was the last bird you saw when you went birding? Uh, that's this morning. So I'd say the warblers are around. So I would say the yellow warbler. How about the last book you read? God, there's so many. You know, I don't read one book at a time. I read books in number so like there's a lot of books out there I'm, I'm, that's a such a hard hard question great book i just read is called underland it's by robert mcfarland he wrote a great book called overstory and he's got a new one called underland u-n-d-e-r-l-a-n-d and what's your next challenge ah, god you know saving the planet that's the ongoing challenge how can humans help sustainability in the future you know i think we have to fully realize and appreciate that we're not out there saving nature. Nature is saving us. And I think we are realizing that protecting and restoring nature can have tremendous positive impacts on human communities. The pandemic, just like every pandemic out there, from Ebola to HIV, came from nature and our inclusion into nature. For our respite, for our mental health, for our sanity, we've been going out into nature to find that, that sanctuary for humans. And, you know, when you think about climate, the best thing we can do to fight climate, the cheapest thing, frankly, we can do to fight climate is protect nature. We know that protecting nature means locking up that carbon in trees and soil and grasslands that otherwise would have gone up in the atmosphere and would create trouble. And who, who is against planting trees? So that's what I would say. It's time for one big question with M. Sanjan beyond the mic. Sanjan, is our planet doomed or can we still save our blue marble? No, you know, look, I'm an optimist. I'm an eternal optimist, and maybe that's a bit of my fault. But I'm finally starting to see people in all walks of life, across the political spectrum, across businesses, kind of understand that you cannot rip apart this planet and still hope to have quality of life. Still hope to have, you know, a future for your kids. I'm finally starting to see people take action at the scale that is required for the problem at hand. And that is true whether you're in Texas or Montana or you're true whether you're in California or New York or, for that matter, in Tanzania. That gives me great hope. I also think our kids are impatient. They're way more impatient than us. They're demanding change, and they're going to be the agents of change. CEO of Conservation International and host of Life at the Waterhole on PBS, Dr. M. Sanjan. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. Take care. And that, my friends, is a Beyond the Mic shortcut. <laughs>